Are you spooked by spectres, fascinated by phantoms, amazed at the idea of apparitions, or simply hallowing the approach of Halloween? We've got a special trick or treat for you today, more treat in my opinion, as paranormal investigator and TV host Heather Taddy joins us for some surprising first-hand information and insight on the paranormal. Welcome to the How To Be Free podcast. I'm Michelle Duke catlin And I'm Stephen Francis. Today we exercise our demons and delight in some seasonally suitable stories of spirits and how to free ourselves from them. Heather Taddy has been enthralled by the paranormal since she was a child. When she attended Penn State, she discovered a large and thriving paranormal club. She began training as an investigator, visiting allegedly haunted houses and institutions, learning to mix healthy skepticism with her growing belief based on her personal brushes with the incorporeal. Heather has co-hosted several paranormal TV shows in the U.S. and is our welcome guest today. Thank you so much for being here, and I know you prefer to be called Taddy, so welcome, Taddy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you guys. It's great to be with you. Um, the paranormal doesn't necessarily have an obvious connection with freedom, but I think our audience will be as intrigued as we are to hear your story and to get your take on freedom. So first we'll start with what does freedom mean to you? Freedom. Well, when I think of freedom, first of all, I think it's something that everybody really desires. Um, and it's doing what you love without control or restrictions, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. When it comes... Oftentimes, too, when I think of the word freedom, it, I kind of think of fashion and I think of just like being really unique and thinking out of the box when it comes to your own personal style and having that freedom um, that makes you kind of different from everybody else. Um, I don't know, because when you think about it, no one really likes rules or control. So I think that freedom is something that everybody likes to have, like an aspect that they like to have to be a part of their life. That's a really, I really like that, that what I hear is freedom as a self-expression. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, that's what I, yeah, that's kind of when you guys asked me that question, that's kind of like the first thing that comes to my mind and um, the Devo song, Freedom of Choice. <laughs> 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 that comes to mind too, because the lyrics are like, freedom of choice, it's, what is it? It's what you got, freedom of choice, it's what you want. I don't know. I've always liked that song. Yeah, so. it's like that band. So speaking of freedom of choice, you chose a really interesting path. And can you just tell us about your training to become a paranormal investigator? How did that start and what does it entail? So my training actually started at Penn State when I discovered the um, club at the university called the Penn State Paranormal Research Society or PRS. And it was, it was a really legit student club backed by the university. And they held these gigantic paranormal conferences every year with, you know, legends in the paranormal field. And at that time, no one else was really doing that uh, to that extent where we would have lectures. So once I discovered the club, I, my goal was to be a field investigator. So that's what I did. I basically added another curriculum onto my college courses that I didn't really get credit for, but I did it out of passion because I was so interested in the subject. And I remember the classes had like a 75% dropout rate. So um, there were a lot of people that didn't stick with it. And it, it was tough. You know, you learned about parapsychology. You learned about famous cases in history. Um, you learned about pretty much every aspect 
of spiritualism and the paranormal and the dangers of it. Um, other researchers in the field, you learn about, uh, and then you had to write like a big research paper. So it was really like a lot of work. You had tests and quizzes every week. And the guy that ran the club, he was a student from, he was from South Carolina and he grew up with a lot of really odd experiences. And the one thing that drew me to the club was they were very, um, it was very professional. They had like this huge welcome pamphlet that was like this thick and he knew what he wanted. He knew, you know, his goal was to help families. And I really liked that aspect of it. Just thinking like, oh, spending my weekends going to these haunted houses and like staying in these clients' homes and trying to figure out what's going on in their home and then going back to college, like really bizarre. Like my college career was, was very fascinating. <laughs> it sounds like you make a very interesting point that you were going to these houses to find out what was happening. So when you and I spoke previously, you were talking about how I think people sometimes have a perception that the people going to investigate already have a bias that there is something happening. But what I found interesting is that you're not there to prove something uh, to prove something necessarily that something is there, but to see if there is. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we basically, you know, and what's cool about the group is everybody had different religious backgrounds, which was cool. It was just this really odd mix of people. And, you know, what we did was we had an office in State College where we would get emails from families all over the U.S. And most of our early cases were just local to Pennsylvania so that we could just easily drive for a weekend. And, you know, the way we would pick the cases is just by the seriousness of it. You know, are there children involved or does it have an interesting backstory that we could research and like really solve? So it was really interesting to be able to do like the historic research and interview the families and just really like, I mean, we were like detectives trying to figure out what's happening. We'd bring in our equipment, we'd set up cameras. Um, but before even going on to a case, we would do extensive phone interviews to where we'd ask up to like, oh my goodness, like 80, 50 to 80 questions before we would even go to the house. So we kind of acted as the client's historian and we knew their life because a lot of times people don't realize that like your life and what you're going through in certain points of your life can affect uh, what's going on when it comes to spirit activity, especially if you're under a lot of stress, you can unconsciously be creating the phenomenon. A lot of people don't think of that. And um, the whole psychology aspect of this has always been really fascinating to me, but. So you could be like, it could be like psychological projection, but it becomes, mm -hmm. it's like, takes the shape of like an entity almost kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had this one case. So interesting, this woman and her family had moved from a really rough neighborhood where they had a lot of really negative experiences. They moved into a new house in a better neighborhood and the woman was going through menopause and she was super emotional and they had what you call psychokinetic energy when you're basically creating, you're emitting energy that's creating things, causing things to move and creating activity. Right. So she was going through all of that and it was kind of like the perfect recipe, you know, the negativity plus the energy she was putting out by going through menopause, it basically created what was happening in her house. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe hearing. A, yeah, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, this is the thing that yeah. I found fascinating because, you know, we started with this premise. We wanted to do something Halloween-y, you know, <laughs> something special for Halloween. But it's fascinating to me that there's actually a benefit 
to exploring this subject beyond just a fascination. Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. I, I think it's a definite tide of freedom here. I, re- I really, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, because I mean, you know, first of all, if you like, we have a mutual friend, Taddy, uh, who's uh, grew up in a, a sort of a haunted house. It was miserable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and whether you believe it or not, it made them miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's no real freedom in that, and that's how you grow up, right? So, um, and then you know, if you're Again, whatever's causing it, if, if things are flying around in your house and, you you know, it's, it has to do with menopause and whatever in a new home, miserable, not much experience of freedom here. So you're really helping people get free of these um, phenomena, right? Yeah, I mean, we worked with families. They were literally terrified to sleep in their own house. Like mm. they'd all be sleeping in one room or like, I just couldn't even imagine not being comfortable in my own home. And, mm-hmm. you know, we would go in and basically educate them about the phenomena. And and by doing the historical research, we were able to kind of connect things they were experiencing to the past. And then that would lead us to like a resolution as to, should we bring in a priest to bless the house? Do we need to remove a haunted object? Or, you know, does the person need counseling? And that was another cool thing was we always worked, we worked with hospitals, we worked with therapists, scientists to kind of like help us solve the problem. And and we'd always, we would never just leave the families and be like, yeah, your house is haunted, see ya. We would always like offer a resolution to the situation. Wow. So what are the kinds, how do you, how do you know? How do you figure that out? What, what the solution is? It's, it depends, you know, it's crazy because no two cases are exactly alike when you're in this field and, and everything's kind of like a working theory. So everybody has a different way of doing things. So it's, it's hard to answer. I've, I've, I've been on like a variety of cases to where there's just a res- different resolution for each one. There's it's like, there's no concrete answer for everything. Mm. Basically. So, sometimes you leave and you just don't know then, right? Exactly. Oh yeah. We've been yeah. to places where we don't know what's going on. You know, you can't offer like a conclusion, you know, mm. what are the ways that you test what's going on? Wow. Um, well, one thing to rule out is in especially older homes, a lot of the wiring can give off electromagnetic energy. So one of the main tools that I think is like one of the most useful is an EMF detector to where it can tell you if there's unhealthy levels of either ionizing or non-ionizing EMF. That's electromagnetic um, that field call, or, or... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, say there's a house with like really old wiring it can actually, if you're exposed to that, it can it can cause you to have like kind of like an altered state of consciousness. Like you can feel a heaviness. Like I've felt it before in places with high EMF. You you feel like a heaviness almost on your brain. You can get sick. You can get nauseous. You can hallucinate and you can see things. So that's happened a lot. I remember one episode we did. It was called the sickness, and this woman's house was I think below her house were old mine shafts that were like 300 feet below. And there had been an explosion at one time before the house was built there. And basically we had someone come in and check her furnace and it was giving off all of this um, electromagnetic energy Mm. and basically causing her to have all these health problems uh, Mm. right in her basement. Like, and we all felt it. We all, everybody that went in there had a symptom of Mm. that, you know? Mm. So there's natural things like that. Um, but EMF, I mean, that's a tool that I think is very useful to rule out, mm-hmm. you know, natural things. Uh, other than that, what was the question again? You asked me what tools? Yeah. What, what tools, how do you determine? How, how do you, yeah. Yeah. How do you, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Other than that, I would say interviewing and really using your intuition to find out what's going on, uh, knowing the questions to ask, uh, really diving into the family's history. You know, has there been drug use? Do they have a negative past? Um, are they messing around with Ouija boards, the occult? Is that kind of causing the activity? Because more so with the more negative uh, negative spirits, someone did something to bring that into your life. It just doesn't like magically happen. Something they choose to bring it into their life. Mm. Um, and that's what I've seen with like the most uh, negative cases. They brought it in themselves. So just really interviewing is super important. Uh, one of my like, main tools I have on an investigation. And you'll see me on, on all the shows I've been on. I always have a little notebook because I'm always like taking notes and I'm super observant. And there's oftentimes there's things that I notice, maybe like a personality trait or something that they're not really fully telling us or revealing. And we'll mm. have to go back later and get another, you know, take of their interview. Mm. Um, so things like that. But I mean, other than that, the obvious like cameras, setting up cameras in the most active areas. Mm -hmm. Um what are some of the things you've found? Oh, ooh. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, man, I've heard footsteps above me, which clear as day, just like four footsteps going across this attic floor, which to me, when it happened, I was locked in this house with one other investigator and we decided to stay behind after production left because we wanted to kind of pretend we were the clients, just live a normal day and see what it's, see what, if we experienced anything. Um, mm -hmm. We were just having a normal conversation and right above us, three loud footsteps that I caught on camera because I just had my camera set up and we were in a bad neighborhood in New Jersey. And I, it was so real that I thought someone broke into the house and I was like, oh my God, there's someone in the house. So that scared me more than thinking it was just like residual energy of like the former tenant that passed away. Um, but footsteps was one uh, thing that they had experienced a lot. And then right after that, we went downstairs into this kitchen and there was a basement door right beside us. Again, we're just talking, having a normal conversation. And it sounds like someone took their body and just threw it against a door and the door like moved. And so that door led to the basement. So automatically I was like, I locked that door. The door was locked, but it sounded like someone was trying to break into the house. Mm -hmm. So things like that happen. And when it happens, you're, you know, I was a little scared at first because I, like I said, I thought someone broke into the house, but then once you kind of calm down, you're like, that was amazing. I want it to happen again. You know, it's, it's like a thrill. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard voices, which is the most compelling evidence to me. You know, one of the other tools that I utilize in almost all my investigations is, is a um, digital recorder to try to record voices. You know, a lot of times you'll just be having a normal conversation and you'll play it back and analyze it. And you'll hear either the voice of like a child or you'll hear distinct conversation. And, and to me, when I first started getting into this hearing, they call them uh, EVPs, which stands for electronic voice phenomena. When I first started hearing some EVPs from other investigators, that was like one of the things that made me a true believer, because when you're in a room with like two other people and there's no outside noise, there's no other people in this abandoned building with you. And you can pick up a distinct voice saying mommy, or, you know, saying your name. It's like, that's evidence right there. Like it, you can't get any, it can't get any better than that to yeah. me. Wow. Yeah. And I would at that point leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mommy. <But> I, <laughs> Stephen shaped hole in the wall. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I totally get that, that if you could, 
you know, c- calm yourself that it would be like, wow, that was that was so amazing. You know, it's just I mean the know, shock of it. Yeah, yeah, that's like how I got into it because I wanted to have experiences. I wanted to put myself in situations because I wanted answers. I wanted to know, like, am I going to be able to communicate with my dead relative or my, you know what I mean? Like, I was always interested in that aspect of it. So, um, and you'll see me in like paranormal state. I'm always the one that volunteers to stay in a room alone and just film because I feel like when you're alone, sometimes you're, you're more open to it and you can experience more rather than being in a room with like 10 people and two giant TV cameras. Mm. Well, if, if, you know, what you pointed to earlier about the negative energy that brings on these phenomena, Mm -hmm. that the more people in a room, the more different kinds of energy you're going to have. But if you're there alone and you're just open that yeah, maybe I mean, that might be more conducive to having that experience. Yeah, I've had, I mean, when you think about it too, so if I was the spirit of someone from like the 1940s and you have this crew of like 20 people and all these gigantic cameras and all these devices that light up, I feel like that would kind of scare me off. You know mm. that, but mm-hmm. I guess it depends on your situation that you're in, but mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, we we got a little goofy there in the intro and it's the halloween episode so we wanted the spooky vibe and everything but um and you know i take you very seriously as, as a friend and, and everything too so um i you mentioned something in passing that i want to sort of touch on mm-hmm. that we, we've kind of talked about a little bit before which is that it you know you talked about like menopause being one thing i know i've heard of uh uh, like 13 like like um uh girls going through puberty who first getting their period in connection with like poltergeist and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a, a an age that this sort of energy shows up, right, for people. Um, so what? And I also recall that that one episode we watched uh, uh, of your show. Um, this these guys had this like old cat house in the middle of like Kansas or somewhere weird like that. It was a former brothel. Some horrible things had happened there, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And you were like, I was like. I said to you, why on earth do they want to own this? And and, and in the show, you said to this one guy, you, you said, I think you may have some unresolved stuff here that's drawing mm. you to this darkness. And it was very dark. Some of the stuff they had there was like, why would you ever want to own that? That should be in a museum, if anywhere, right? Yeah. So what what what? why are some people more prone, do you think, to have this show up in their lives? Um, I think if you have, like, a history of maybe a negative a past, you've been through a lot of abuse. I think that that makes you more vulnerable, especially if you haven't resolved the trauma and it meets up with you later in life because the owner, he had unresolved trauma. Obviously he didn't like really go into it on camera, but he had really horrible stuff happen to him when he was young. And then he was a current EMT. So he saw a lot of like really gruesome stuff and he was into the paranormal and he bought this huge building, like you said, it, it was a brothel, it was a dance hall, and it also had ties to the KKK where they would have their meetings there. I forgot And that. they would right. have parades yeah. and and hold lynchings like right in front of this building. It was like, it was like their national headquarters kind of a thing, right, at one point. Yeah, so. I think that we, we just knew that they had meetings because he had, uh, and they left this out of the episode, which I understand why, it's pretty dark, but it was a huge part of it, you know. Uh, if they had their meetings there, who, know, who knows what else could have happened there, but he literally showed us tape of like the parades going right past this place and not only that so it had all these layers of really dark history they had an underground tunnel that led to different uh buildings 
And there was mob activity that happened down there and men would bring the prostitutes through there to hide. Um, So I'm sure there was a lot of violent stuff that happened down there. And then him and his friend that owned the building were obsessed with just collecting objects with a dark history. And it was kind of amazing, the objects that they had. I mean, they had, my gosh, they had all these, they had a room full of creepy haunted dolls that came from different places. They all had a backstory, all of it negative. Uh, He had an old exorcism kit from the 30s that our psychic told us was used by someone that didn't know what they were doing and it was used on a failed exorcism. He had like a dagger that was supposedly used in a satanic ritual. Um, And we knew that by the symbols that were on it. He had like the Holy Bible right next to the satanic Bible. He had just objects from old asylums, just every negative thing you could think of, he had in this building. And he would use these objects in his investigations and not really know exactly where they came from. You know, because a lot of times people can put negativity into an object. And if you get an object that was, say, used in like a really evil occult ritual, I mean, that could still be carrying really negative energy. And then you bring it into a negative place that already has layers of dark history. It's just like a storm. You know what I mean? It's like a a black hole forming this like ultra ultra gravity there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a pretty extreme example. So this guy is like (laughs) acting out the darkness of his own past, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. A psychological projection again right he's having it show up in these objects instead so yeah i think that you know even if you are highly skeptical about any of this i think we know i mean everything is energy and so you put energy into things and and things hold energy so i don't know for me it makes perfect sense that why would you why would you hold on to intentionally hold on to that much dark energy you know. Right. And then using them. So he had this, this, this was the creepiest thing. It was a clown doll from like, it was made. So the story with the backstory with this clown doll, that it it was made in a German concentration camp. A little kid made it. Um, That's the story he got with it. And when you see the clown in the episode, it's in a box. It's like hanging on this little platform thing it's in a box and then there's chains wrapped around the box it's the creepiest thing i've ever seen in my life but the backstory with it was that like multiple people had it and then all these really tragic things started happening so they thought it was cursed so of course this owner found it and thought it would be a perfect addition to his (laughs) and then he used it they used it in an investigation and all these negative things started happening and they got this evp one of the best evps i've ever heard it was literally a little boy's voice saying, I'm stuck in this box, clear as day, clear as day. And I asked him, I was like, you know, you know, this is negative. Like, why would you still use it? Like, why won't you get rid of it? You know what I mean? Like, why are you still trying to get things to happen when you know something neg- negative is going to happen? It just, it just wasn't like a healthy thing. <laughs> I, I guess. And I- what was his response? I think he got, I honestly think he got a kick out of it and it brought people to his building to do good because he held public investigations. So I think that he, he liked it. So it was publicity. And a part of me too felt that he didn't believe it and he wanted to challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He might be daring. uh, Sometimes when we survive trauma and we have a job like an EMT or, or we're in special operations in the military or something. It's like, and I, I have, I had a streak of this when I was younger, for sure, because I had some trauma, as we all do. But I, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
I, uh, you know, you sort of want to flirt with death. You want to, you want to prove that it, it's not, you, you, you kind of dance with the devil to prove that you are, are going to make it almost, you know, it's like, mm. look at me, you can't mm. kill me. Not yet, not today, you know, motorcycles and drugs and alcohol. People fill that, 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 that uh, gap on the form with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I could see how dark energy meant one thing, you know. Well, I think even as simple as the way people who have been abused draw abusers, mm -hmm. you know, there is a particular energy that they carry from unresolved trauma mm -hmm. that I think other people who carry similar unresolved trauma are drawn to, mm. you know, so that I don't mm. know that it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. that these kinds of negative experiences would happen to people who were holding on to trauma, um, even unknowingly. Mm -hmm. Like attracts like. Yeah, mm. yeah. So um. how do you support people? And this will lead us into, you know, our question about freeing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, on some level, we, we all experience being haunted by our past. Mm -hmm. I, you took the words how, right out of my mouth. I think we're all haunted, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. How do you then, through your investigations, and you said, which I, I find really um, impressive, it's not just that you're investigating like some kind of sideshow, but that you're actually there to support the people. So how is it you do that? I mean, a lot of times, like first starting out with this, you know, Paranormal State was it was a really different show for that time. And a, the paranormal was still kind of like a little taboo. People just didn't openly talk about it as much as they do today. And I think most importantly, people just to support people and list, sit there and listen to them because a lot of people had fear to share their stories because they didn't want people to think that they're crazy. And they couldn't, mm -hmm. because they couldn't find an explanation for what was happening to them, they thought they were crazy. They just weren't educated on, you know, this type of phenomena. So I think just a lot of people were just like, you know, you guys are the only ones that listened to us and tried to help us. And that, that was really rewarding to be able to just help families that were afraid to be in their own house, you know? So um, I think too, it's just like encouraging people to have respect for their own space and really claim their space as theirs because there's people that live in haunted houses they know they're haunted, but it's not negative and it's not threatening. So they just kind of learn to coexist with it. Like a, where a, other like a people, roommate. Sort of yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas other people, their situation is more negative to where the spirit is, is somehow connecting with them emotionally for one reason or another. And they kind of can't really live with it. It makes them feel really uncomfortable depending well, on the, so you know, that's the like a, that's like a New York roommate then. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being clear, but yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true ex-New Yorker. From a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. um, before, before I ask you about uh, our five percent question, I just want to go back because I know you have you have such a breadth of experience. Can you just go over some of the different kinds of paranormal phenomena there are? Mm. Oh, okay. Well, this is going to take a while. <laughs> um, different kinds of phenomena. Okay. So do you mean as in things that can occur into a home or like different types of like, what do you exactly mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, where do things happen? What can happen? Okay. 
So usually it's- No, you've touched places, on some of them with your own personal experience. Right. So but usually yeah. it's places where either suicides have happened, a very traumatic experience, multiple people died. Um, those are the places where I feel like the energy is more negative. But I mean, seeing full body apparitions, uh, hearing footsteps, objects going missing, voices, always feeling like you are not alone, like there's some type of presence, threatening presence near you, which I have felt before, and it does not feel good. Just feeling like there's something behind you watching you in a very threatening way. I've definitely felt that before. Uh, that's a really common experience. Um, oh, there's so much. Uh, some people have uh, just like very bad, really negative dreams in certain places. Hmm. Um, you can just tell that the energy's off. There's like an eerie feeling. Um, those are most of the common types of phenomena that, you know, I've heard about. You mentioned to me when in our pre-interview, what is it? Residual hauntings. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. So residual hauntings. <laughs> yeah. Um, you kind of, it's kind of like the theory behind residual hauntings. There's a theory to kind of explain it. But overall, it's basically like you think of it as a rerun of a TV show. Um, a perfect example is Gettysburg. So it's a place where obviously a lot of people have passed away, people see apparitions of a soldier, maybe the same time of day, the same place, they do the same motion, kind of marching across the field and back. That's an example of residual energy. It's it's energy that's kind of trapped in a loop. And you see that a lot with hauntings where, again, places where extreme tragedies happen, whatever's there is locked into this. And with residual hauntings, it's kind of the same movement. Like you see something down the same hallway. It doesn't interact with you. And it's just kind of there. You're kind of coexisting with it. But yeah. Gettysburg is kind of to get you to understand that's kind of like a perfect example because they're the spirits are more unaware of the people around them. They're just kind of stuck in a loop of energy. And there's a really cool theory to explain this called the stone tape theory. A researcher in the 70s, um, came up with it. And I think it's actually based on like a British play called Stone Tape. Hmm. I think I'll have to look that up. But um, it's used as a way to theorize residual hauntings. And it's basically like, um, how do I explain this? So building materials such as stone can hold these like recordings. And at certain times they can play them back. And that's the energy. It's like a loop of someone walking here to there. So it's said in really old buildings that it, the energy can store it, it in there, in the structure, and it can be laid back at a certain time. There's kind of really no way to explain that, but I always thought it was like a really interesting theory. Yeah, I, I, I never, almost never talk about this stuff. So I've had, uh, you know, odd, odd experiences. I think a lot of people have. I know mm -hmm. I, I, when I was still uh, acting, I had... Um, I, I used to clean out the acting studio where I was studying, you know, I went back into class and, uh, you know, one night I saw this young woman there and she didn't interact with me at all. She just passed through the hallway and I was, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up kind of a thing, you know, Oh wow! icy cold bucket of water. And, and it turned out this closely resembled this young woman who'd been murdered a few years before while she was studying at the studio. And I was like, Oh, it's terrible. She's trying to come back here to be in class. She's like trying to figure out, it's like, she's returning here. Uh, you know, thinking about what you're saying here is just like, it's almost like 
people are using the, this darkness to resolve their own trauma, to externalize their own trauma, right? Uh, and, and, and I just want to be clear about something. This is a purely personal take on this here. I don't need anybody to believe or disbelieve anything, right? I'm just, this is my right. direct experience I'm talking about here and, mm -hmm. and, and, and a theory based on that, right? So, you know, if, if people are using these these dark energies to, to externalize their own traumas, sort of act out their traumas, have their traumas act out in the world, right? Uh, maybe it's a partnership. Maybe these people who've been ripped out of life and didn't have time to process leaving, because, you know, if you're murdered, it's, it's the ultimate trauma, right? And then there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's no consciousness left as far as we know to process that trauma. So maybe it's like a symbiotic thing where people and whatever's left of the other person are using it to resolve that trauma with each other. You know, I just, I'm, I'm spitballing here, you know. So. No, that makes perfect sense. Mm. I, I think, it, I, I also really like what you said, Stephen, you don't need anybody to believe it. And I think... I think that's the thing, the bottom line for me with paranormal activity, with any kind of spiritual conversation is that I think we have to honor our own experience. It's not a matter of belief or convincing or, or evidence to prove something, but that if you're having an experience, honor the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a segue into the question we always ask our guests, which is, how can we be 5% more free in this area of our life in just a week? So if we are experiencing some kind of haunting, let's call it, you know, um, some kind of, maybe people don't want to call it paranormal activity, but maybe it's just some kind of, what would be another word? I'm I think trying to find a I word. I think that, haunting is is perfect because it's It is. Okay. Okay, yeah. we'll go with haunting. Yeah, that works. Right? Because yeah. so if somebody's experiencing and, and again, I agree with Stephen, I think we've all experienced some form of trauma, some kind of haunting in our lives. What can we do to experience a little more freedom around that? Um so I would say when it comes to really negative experiences in your life, don't, don't hold on to it and carry it around and let it affect every aspect of your life. I, th I don't think that's very, a very healthy thing to do. Like don't dwell on unsettling things. Um, basically use your past and learn from it um, and have like a, a new appreciation for things, if that makes sense. Um there's a quote. you said something interesting uh that you do that i think uh, i immediately thought was a very useful thing you said that when you're dealing with people sometimes they feel embarrassed or ashamed or uncertain and just being able to talk about it mm. to someone who's taking them seriously just, so just maybe being one, heard yeah just being heard is finding someone who will just hear you you right. Know, yeah. Share your experience. That this is my experience, and I need somebody to hear me share it. Yeah. Because yeah. some people bottle these experiences up because they feel like they have no one to talk to about it. You know, I've worked with clients who maybe the wife is having all the experiences, but the husband doesn't believe her. So it it makes it very awkward to where she thinks she's crazy because he's not, you know, being supportive. So I've definitely seen that happen, but I feel like holding it in and then all of a sudden being able to like openly talk to someone about it. It's probably such a relief for people yeah. going through things. And, and I'm sure that's not, that's true. Not only of like haunted houses or haunted dwellings or whatever you want to call it, but uh, of that personal haunting too. I mean, I know from my own experience, 
the way you deal with trauma is you you talk it out even if it feels it's terribly terribly slow you have to sort of repattern mm. your brain and there's a modality called emdr which i really got a lot out of and but i did decades literally decades of therapy to work my way through this but from the but you don't, you don't get better right away but it does get a little bit better the more you do it right mm-hmm. um it's like what well, I think it's resonating with the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, what you're saying. Time. <laughs> yes. Yes, Stephen. Yes. <laughs> I think there was like a dog or a squirrel or something outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, I was just saying that, to, you know, to, to, if you, whatever the, the, the kind of haunting you're haunted by, whether it's, internal or showing up in the world externally it's maybe that first and most important step is to say you know hey am i crazy do, do you do you understand what i'm going through you know because mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah not much freedom around feeling crazy that's for sure right yeah very true you've mentioned a quote that you wanted to oh yeah, yeah. when you're talking about like i think michelle we had talked about a question about your negative past um kind of what we were just talking about Um, one of my favorite bands, no doubt they have this lyric in their song. It says, don't forget your roots, but also don't rot, move on, move on, move on. And that's always resonated with me. Um, Mm. because you don't want to, you don't want to like really focus on the past. You want to move forward, but at the same time, you don't want to forget like your roots and your experiences and where you came from. Yeah. Like be informed by it, not owned by it kind of a thing. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Right on. Hmm. Well, thank you, Tammy. I'm just, I'm just thinking. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking about what you. I'm still going back to that conversation yeah. about, or that part of the conversation about when you're supporting people with their hauntings, mm-hmm. and you're talking to them. Is there anything else that you? Like, what is it you say to them? Is it just a matter of listening? Or is there something that you recommend to them? Uh, every situation so different. I mean, we worked with this one woman who had, like, six months before we were there, she lost her son. And so we were dealing with, like, a grieving mother that was having all these experiences that were linked to her son and linked to someone that drowned themselves in a pond in her property. So just offering, you know, we, I think we brought in like a guidance counselor or something to help her just deal with her grieving son and then offered her, uh, we brought in a psychic that contacted her son and it gave her a lot of relief because she was able to contact her son and know that he was all right. And, um, I can't, I really can't remember what else with that particular case, but a lot of times having a psychic, cause I've worked with like some of the best psychics in the world and just having them work with like someone who's grieving over loss and knowing that they can contact that person and they have really like concrete evidence that they're talking to this person because they're revealing information that only the two would know. So that, that that's helped in a lot of um, different situations, but yeah, it depends on what they're dealing with. You know, do we bring in a priest? Do we bring in a psychic or some kind of healer, you know, it's, it's different for everything. I, I, you know, what I hear is that, how do I say this? 
Just give me a moment. Okay. I'm thinking about how spirit, how trauma is very often like a spiritual injury as well. It's interesting you have to reach out to spiritual counsellors, right? Well, I think that it's a matter of what I hear in terms of how people can experience more freedom is get what you need. So Mm. if what you need is connection with a lost loved one, then reach out to a, a, a psychic or some healer that you trust. If what you need is counseling, if what you need is uh, some kind of therapy, like just make that first step mm-hmm. and find out what you need. Because if people are holding on to these things, you know, throughout their life, then I have to think that they feel feel that either they can't do anything about it or that they don't deserve to do anything about it. Mm. And maybe the first step, maybe that first 5% is having compassion for your own experience. Yeah. That whatever anybody else thinks, your experience is valid because you experienced it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, everybody, this is such a strange field to work in because everybody you know, every experience means something else to someone, you know, cause we're all on like our own little separate journey. So mm-hmm. no, you're totally right though. So, um, it's funny. My, my cat tried to walk in front of the camera. So it's interesting. Oh, that really? the, the ad, We're being joined by our animal companions. <laughs> oh, yeah. here. <laughs> it's awesome. uh, yeah. For those who are just listening, yeah. we, we have a dog joining us yeah, yeah, yeah. with Taddy. Yeah. Yeah. And since, since dogs I've make closed everything. my door and my cat would be here too. Yeah. Hitch would be in the show too. Right. Yeah. 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 No dog, dogs and cats, animals make everything better. So, um, where, where can people see you? Where can they find you? How do they find you? Oh, good question. Um, well, I do have a website, heathertaddy.com, and often I post different blogs from my investigations, which are pretty interesting to read because I always take a ton of pictures and visually it's you feel like you're there with me. So uh, heathertaddy.com. I'm active on Instagram. Unfortunately, my old Instagram and Facebook got hacked, so I created a new Instagram and I'm. you can find me under Heather Taddy and my username is tad to the bone. Um, <laughs> And then I'm I'm active on Twitter too, and you can find me on on there under Heather Taddy or Classic Tad. Okay, okay, all right. Great. So lo- lots. And if of... you want to see any of my shows, I was going to say um, Alien Highway is on Travel Channel, and you can watch all the episodes on Discovery Plus. Uh, Portals to Hell. I'm in four episodes of season two. That's also on um, Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. And then I just recently noticed that Paranormal State. A couple seasons of that is on discovery plus as well um there's like one season on there that i'm in and then it's the newer ones but hmm. yeah you hmm. can find me All right. heather uh, sorry taddy i think you have the coolest resume ever yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is very that, odd you know <laughs> thank you so much for yeah. joining us thank you for your stories it's so fascinating and really so relevant i think to all of us so thank yeah, you so definitely. much for being here yeah. thank you yeah, this is fun and i'll see you on, on actual halloween right so that's yes, gonna be awesome i'll see you then that's gonna be super awesome okay. <laughs> maybe someday i'll get to meet you in person michelle yeah yes i hope so yeah. Thanks to our sound crew, uh, Toby Leach, uh, Caitlin Randall, and uh, music by Toby Leach. Uh, they are, as I always say at the end of these episodes, basically a podcast in a box solution. And um, if you want to contact us and ask us anything or tell us anything, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put some information on all of that in the show notes. Thanks for listening or watching. <laughs> <laughs>
espacio final.